Chapter Twenty Two of Cousin Pons by Honore de Balzac, translated by Ellen Marriage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter Twenty Two. Three days afterwards, while Schmucke slept, for in accordance with the compact, he now sat up at night with the patient. La Cibot had a tiff, as she was pleased to call it, with Pons it will not be out of place to call attention to one particularly distressing symptom of liver complaint the sufferer is always more or less inclined to impatience and fits of anger an outburst of this kind seems to give relief at the time much as a patient while the fever fit is upon him feels that he has boundless strength but collapse sets in so soon as the excitement passes off and the full extent of mischief sustained by the system is discernible this is especially the case when the disease has been induced by some great shock and the prostration is so much the more dangerous because the patient is kept upon a restricted diet it is a kind of fever affecting neither the blood nor the brain but the humoristic mechanism fretting the whole system producing melancholy in which the patient hates himself in such a crisis anything may cause dangerous irritation in spite of all that the doctor could say la cibot had no belief in this wear and tear of the nervous system by the humoristic she was a woman of the people without experience or education dr poulain's explanations for her were simply doctor's notions like most of her class she thought that sick people must be fed and nothing short of dr poulain's direct order prevented her from administering ham a nice omelette or vanilla chocolate upon the sly the infatuation of the working classes on this point is very strong the reason of their reluctance to enter a hospital is the idea that they will be starved there the mortality caused by the food smuggled in by the wives of patients on visiting days was at one time so great that the doctors were obliged to institute a very strict search for contraband provisions if la cibot was to realize her profits at once a momentary quarrel must be worked up in some way she began by telling pons about her visit to the theatre not omitting her passage at arms with mademoiselle heloise the dancer but why did you go the invalid asked for the third time la cibot once launched on a stream of words he was powerless to stop her so then when i had given her a piece of my mind mademoiselle heloise saw who i was and knuckled under and we were the best of friends and now do you ask me why i went she added repeating pons's question there are certain babblers babblers of genius are they who sweep up interruptions objections and observations in this way as they go along by way of provision to swell the matter of their conversation as if that source were ever in any danger of running dry why i went repeated she i went to get your monsieur gaudissart out of a fix he wants some music for a ballet and you are hardly fit to scribble on sheets of paper and do your work dearie so i understood things being so that a monsieur garangeot was to be asked to set the mohicans to music garangeot roared pons in fury garangeot a man with no talent i would not have him for first violin 
he is very clever he is very good at musical criticism but as to composing i doubt it and what the devil put the notion of going to the theatre into your head how confoundedly contrary the man is look here dearie we mustn't boil over like milk on the fire how are you to write music in the state that you are in why you can't have looked at yourself in the glass will you have the glass and see you are nothing but skin and bone you are as weak as a sparrow and do you think that you are fit to make your notes why you would not so much as make out mine and that reminds me that i ought to go up to the third-floor lodgers that owes us seventeen francs for when the chemist has been paid we shall not have twenty left so i had to tell monsieur gaudissart i like that name a good sort he seems to be a regular roger bonton that would just suit me he will never have liver complaint well so i had to tell him how you were lord you are not well and he has put some one else in your place for a bit some one else in my place cried pons in a terrible voice as he sat right up in bed sick people generally speaking and those most particularly who lie within the sweep of the scythe of death cling to their places with the same passionate energy that the beginner displays to gain a start in life to hear that some one had taken his place was like a foretaste of death to the dying man why the doctor told me that i was going on as well as possible continued he he said that i should soon be about again as usual you have killed me ruined me murdered me tut 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 cried la cibot there you go i am killing you am i mercy on us these are the pretty things that you are always telling monsieur schmucke when my back is turned i hear all that you say that i do you are a monster of ingratitude but you do not know that if i am only away for another fortnight they will tell me that i have had my day that i am old-fashioned out of date empire rococo when i go back garangeot will have made friends all over the theatre high and low he will lower the pitch to suit some actress that cannot sing he will lick monsieur gaudissart's boots cried the sick man who clung to life he has friends that will praise him in all the newspapers and when things are like that in such a shop madame cibot they can find holes in anybody's coat what fiend drove you to do it why plague take it monsieur schmucke talked it over with me for a week what would you have you see nothing but yourself you are so selfish that other people may die if you can only get better why poor monsieur schmucke has been tired out this month past he is tied by the leg he can go nowhere he cannot give lessons nor take his place at the theatre do you really see nothing he sits up with you at night and i take the nursing in the day if i were to sit up at night with you as i tried to do at first when i thought you were so poor i should have to sleep all day and who would see to the house and look out for squalls illness is illness it cannot be helped and here are you this was not schmucke's idea it is quite impossible that means that it was i who took it into my head to do it does it do you think that we are made of iron why if monsieur schmucke had given seven or eight lessons every day and conducted the orchestra every evening at the theatre from six o'clock till half-past eleven at night he would have died in ten days time 
poor man he would give his life for you and do you want to be the death of him by the authors of my days i have never seen a sick man to match you where are your senses have you put them in pawn we are all slaving our lives out for you we do all for the best and you are not satisfied do you want to drive us raging mad i myself to begin with am tired out as it is la cibot rattled on at her ease pons was too angry to say a word he writhed on his bed painfully uttering inarticulate sounds the blow was killing him and at this point as usual the scolding turned suddenly to tenderness the nurse dashed at her patient grasped him by the head made him lie down by main force and dragged the blankets over him how any one can get into such a state exclaimed she after all it is your illness dearie that is what good monsieur poulain says see now keep quiet and be good my dear little sonny everybody that comes near you worships you and the doctor himself comes to see you twice a day what would he say if he found you in such a way you put me out of all patience you ought not to behave like this if you have ma'am cibot to nurse you you should treat her better you shout and you talk you ought not to do it you know that talking irritates you and why do you fly into a passion the wrong is all on your side you were always bothering me look here let us have it out if monsieur schmucke and i who love you like our life thought that we were doing right well my cherub it was right you may be sure schmucke never could have told you to go to the theatre without speaking to me about it and must i wake him poor dear when he is sleeping like one of the blessed and call him in as a witness no no cried pons if my kind and loving schmucke made the resolution perhaps i am worse than i thought his eyes wandered round the room dwelling on the beautiful things in it with a melancholy look painful to see so i must say good-bye to my dear pictures to all the things that have come to be like so many friends to me and to my divine friend schmucke oh can it be true la cibot acting her heartless comedy held her handkerchief to her eyes and at that mute response the sufferer fell to dark musing so sorely stricken was he by the double stab dealt to health and his interests by the loss of his post and the near prospect of death that he had no strength left for anger he lay ghastly and wan like a consumptive patient after a wrestling bout with the destroyer in monsieur schmucke's interests you see you would do well to send for monsieur trognon he is the notary of the quarter and a very good man said la cibot seeing that her victim was completely exhausted you are always talking about this trognon oh he or another it is all one to me for anything you will leave me she tossed her head to signify that she despised riches there was silence in the room a moment later schmucke came in he had slept for six hours hunger awakened him and now he stood at pons's bedside watching his friend without saying a word for madame cibot had laid a finger on her lips hush she whispered then she rose and went up to add under her breath he is going off to sleep at last thank heaven 
he is as cross as a red donkey what can you expect he is struggling with his illness no on the contrary i am very patient said the victim in a weary voice that told of a dreadful exhaustion but oh schmucke my dear friend she has been to the theatre to turn me out of my place there was a pause pons was too weak to say more la cibot took the opportunity and tapped her head significantly do not contradict him she said to schmucke it would kill him pons gazed into schmucke's honest face and she says that you sent her he continued yes schmucke affirmed heroically it had to be hush let us save your life it is absurd to ver contrain your strength get you half a treasure get better we will sell some prick-a-brack and end our taste quietly in a corner somewheres mit kind montam zibod she has perverted you moaned pons madame cibot had taken up her station behind the bed to make signals unobserved pons thought that she had left the room she is murdering me he added what is that i am murdering you am i cried la cibot suddenly appearing hand on hips and eyes aflame i am as faithful as a dog and this is all i get god almighty she burst into tears and dropped down into the great chair a tragical movement which wrought a most disastrous revulsion in pons very good she said rising to her feet the woman's malignant eyes looked poison and bullets at the two friends very good nothing that i can do is right here and i am tired of slaving my life out you shall take a nurse pons and schmucke exchanged glances in dismay oh you may look at each other like actors i mean it i shall ask dr poulain to find a nurse for you and now we will settle accounts you shall pay me back the money that i have spent on you and that i would never have asked you for i that have gone to monsieur pierrot to borrow another five hundred francs of him it is his illness cried schmucke he sprang to madame cibot and put an arm round her waist have patience as for you you are an angel i could kiss the ground you tread upon said she but monsieur pons never liked me he always hated me besides he thinks perhaps that i want to be mentioned in his will hush you will kill him cried schmucke good-bye sir said la cibot with a withering look at pons you may keep well for all the harm i wish you when you can speak to me pleasantly when you can believe that what i do is done for the best i will come back again till then i shall stay in my own room you were like my own child to me did anybody ever see a child revolt against its mother no no monsieur schmucke i do not want to hear more i will bring you your dinner and wait upon you but you must take a nurse ask monsieur poulain about it and she went out slamming the door after her so violently that the precious fragile objects in the room trembled to pons in his torture the rattle of china was like the final blow dealt by the executioner to a victim broken on the wheel an hour later la cibot called to schmucke through the door telling him that his dinner was waiting for him in the dining-room she would not cross the threshold poor schmucke went out to her with a haggard tear-stained face 
mein poor bons is wandering said he he says that you are ein bad woman it is his illness he added hastily to soften la cibot and excuse his friend oh i have had enough of his illness look here he is neither father nor husband nor brother nor child of mine he has taken a dislike to me well and good that is enough as for you you see i would follow you to the end of the world but when a woman gives her life her heart and all her savings and neglects her husband for here has cibot fallen ill and then hears that she is a bad woman it is coming it rather too strong it is too strong too strong yes never mind idle words let us come to the facts as to that you owe me for three months at a hundred and ninety francs that is five hundred seventy francs then there is the rent that i have paid twice here are the receipts six hundred more including rates and the sous and the franc for the porter something under twelve hundred francs altogether and with the two thousand francs besides without interest mind you the total amounts to three thousand one hundred and ninety-two francs and remember that you will want at least two thousand francs before long for the doctor and the nurse and the medicine and the nurse's board that was why i borrowed a thousand francs of monsieur pillerault and with that she held up gaudissart's bank-note it may readily be conceived that schmucke listened to this reckoning with amazement for he knew about as much of business as a cat knows of music montamzipod he expostulated bons have lost his head pardon him and nurse him as before und be our providence i beg it of you on my knees and he knelt before la cibot and kissed the tormentor's hands la cibot raised schmucke and kissed him on the forehead listen my lamb said she here is cibot ill in bed i have just sent for dr poulain so i ought to set my affairs in order and what is more cibot saw me crying and flew into such a passion that he will not have me set foot in here again it is he who wants the money it is his you see we women can do nothing when it comes to that but if you let him have his money back again the three thousand two hundred francs he will be quiet perhaps poor man it is his all earned by the sweat of his brow the savings of twenty-six years of life together he must have his money to-morrow there is no getting round him you do not know cibot when he is angry he would kill a man well i might perhaps get leave of him to look after you both as before be easy i will just let him say anything that comes into his head i will bear it all for love of you an angel as you are no i am ein boor man dot love his friend and would give his life to save him but the money broke in la cibot my good monsieur schmucke let us suppose that you pay me nothing you will want three thousand francs and where are they to come from upon my word do you know what i should do in your place i should not think twice i should just sell seven or eight good-for-nothing pictures and put up some of those instead that are standing in your closet with their faces to the wall for want of room one picture or another what difference does it make und why he is so cunning it is his illness for he is a lamb when he is well he is capable of getting up and prying about and if by any chance he went into the salon he is so weak 
that he could not go beyond the door he would see that they are all still there true and when he is quite well we will tell him about the sale and if you wish to confess throw it all upon me say that you were obliged to pay me come i have a broad back i cannot dispose of things that are not mine the good german answered simply very well i will summons you you and monsieur pons it would kill him take your choice dear me sell the pictures and tell him about it afterwards you can show him the summons ver gut summons us that shall be mine excuse i shall show him the judgment madame cibot went down to the court and that very day at seven o'clock she called to schmucke schmucke found himself confronted with monsieur tavarot the bailiff who called upon him to pay schmucke made answer trembling from head to foot and was forthwith summoned together with pons to appear in the county court to hear judgment against him the sight of the bailiff and a bit of stamped paper covered with scrawls produced such an effect upon schmucke that he held out no longer sell the pictures he said with tears in his eyes next morning at six o'clock elie magus and remonenc took down the paintings of their choice two receipts for two thousand five hundred francs were made out in correct form i the undersigned representing monsieur pons acknowledge the receipt of two thousand five hundred francs from monsieur elie magus for the four pictures sold to him the said sum being appropriated to the use of monsieur pons the first picture attributed to durer is a portrait of a woman the second likewise a portrait is of the italian school the third a dutch landscape by bruegel and the fourth a holy family by an unknown master of the florentine school remonenc's receipt was worded in precisely the same way a Greuze, a claude lorraine a rubens and a van dyck being disguised as pictures of the french and flemish schools der money makes me believe dat the chimcracks have some value said schmucke when the five thousand francs were paid over they are worth something said remonenc i would willingly give you a hundred thousand francs for the lot remonenc asked to do a trifling service hung eight pictures of the proper size in the same frames taking them from among the less valuable pictures in schmucke's bedroom no sooner was elie magus in possession of the four great pictures than he went taking la cibot with him under pretence of settling accounts but he pleaded poverty he found fault with the pictures they needed rebacking he offered la cibot thirty thousand francs by way of commission and finally dazzled her with the sheets of paper on which the bank of france engraves the words one thousand francs in capital letters magus thereupon condemned remonenc to pay the like sum to la cibot by lending him the money on the security of his four pictures which he took with him as a guarantee so glorious were they that magus could not bring himself to part with them and next day he bought them of remonenc for six thousand francs over and above the original price and an invoice was duly made out for the four madame cibot the richer by sixty-eight thousand francs once more swore her two accomplices to absolute secrecy then she asked the jew's advice 
she wanted to invest the money in such a way that no one should know of it buy shares in the orleans railway said he they are thirty francs below par you will double your capital in three years they will give you scraps of paper which you keep safe in a portfolio stay here monsieur magus i will go and fetch the man of business who acts for monsieur pons's family he wants to know how much you will give him for the whole bag of tricks upstairs i will go for him now if only she were a widow said remonencq when she was gone she would just suit me she will have plenty of money now especially if she puts her money into the orleans railway she will double her capital in two years time i have put all my poor little savings into it added the jew for my daughter's portion come let us take a turn on the boulevard until this lawyer arrives cibot is very bad as it is continued remonencq if it should please god to take him to himself i should have a famous wife to keep a shop i could set up on a large scale End of chapter twenty two